So efficiency ends up being very, very important. And we get on our, in our own way sometimes. I don't know what it is. I don't know if people like to hear themselves talk. I don't know what the deal is, but just say it and get out. It's just, it's a clean arrow that doesn't have any friction. Hello, and welcome to You Are a Storyteller. In this episode, Brian and Jesse discuss why efficient storytelling and believing the complicated isn't better simply because it's complicated is the most effective way to communicate. Oftentimes as storytellers, we can go looking for simple solutions we've already found and get in our own way in the process. I think sometimes when we talk about story structure and the importance of story structure, uh, it's easy for folks to go into, well, you know, I'm not an artist or, well, I'm not doing movies, I'm not whatever. And I think one of the things that they miss is that story structure is nature's efficiency model manifesting itself through human beings, right? So, so if, if, if the, if the, if stories exist to impart survival information, that means that the way we impart that, that survival information, we had to have found over millions of years as our species, a way to impart that survival information as fast as possible, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like a stop sign survival information, you can glance at it, and you know, I better stop my car. It's like, that's an efficiency thing. Right. Like, like if you, if if I go, Brian, there's a bear in the woods. I got to figure out how to say that as quickly and as effectively as possible because literally survival is at stake. That's interesting that you say that. Yeah. I I know you're, you're setting this up, but it reminded me of something. So sure. uh, When I was uh, doing motion graphics, when I was a teenager, uh, Bruce Walters one time, maybe I talked about this on the show. I don't know. But Bruce Walters said to me, he says, you know who makes a lot of money? We were trying to come up with the logo or something. I don't remember. He goes, people who come up with those international sort of symbols for slippery when wet or that kind of thing. And, and he said, those are really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't thought about it before. You, you sort of take them for granted. Uh, he said, they're really hard to do to make sure they communicate across languages, across all these things, and uh, uh, communicate efficiently. And that was one of the best lessons I ever got about um, how knowing what you want to say and saying it simply uh, is difficult, um, but also unbelievably effective and impactful. Um, yes. I thought about it for a long time. So it was a really great thing to say. I think he thought he was just teaching me about that. But, it, you know, as I thought about it over the years, it, it meant more and more and more. I think about it all the time. Yep. That's such a great example. I mean, once people understand that if you learn story structure, what you're, what you're learning is that you're learning the anatomy of how to efficiently. And as a result, effectively communicate what you need to communicate with the least amount of energy, right? Like the, the goal of an efficiency model is for you to go just hit the target no wasted movement. Right. Um, and, and so it's, you know, I think that if people just look at this, go like, oh, story structure, that's for, you know, artists or whatever. It's like, great. What you have to understand about business, what you have to understand about life in general um, is the more efficient person is going to win. Right. Like straight up. Like if, if I can, if I can make a blockbuster movie for a million dollars and it takes you a hundred million, who do you think is going to be more successful? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I remember the old days, like at least when I was coming up, when like Rebel Without a Crew came out and people were like, my God, you know, Rodriguez could do that with $10,000 or whatever. It's like, 
yeah, he's proving he could be more efficient. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not talking about his movies, but I'm just talking about the fact that what can you do with less, right? Like if you go, okay, I've got five minutes, I got 15 minutes in the TED talk. And if I do this right, it will change my life. You better learn the efficiency model. You yeah. can't get up there and just meander around or whatever, right? And so one of the funniest things to me is that the vast majority of people that listen to our podcast are professionals. I mean, we had we had one of our, our folks that listen, you know, reached out and was like, you know, I'm doing storyboards. We're like, oh, that's really cool. And I look up and I was like, oh my God, really accomplished, amazing artists. Those are the folks. And I think they listen to the podcast because they need an efficiency model. They don't have time. Their job's on the line. They have the presentation. Right. They're betting the farm on their business, whatever those things are. And they're going, I've got one email to make the sale. I've got five minutes to get her to say I, I do. I got whatever. It's like, well, you better structure the shit out of that because you only got one chance at it. Why is efficiency so important for communicators? Whether, whether, you, whether you take that from the film side or writing side or any other kind of the arts or just in general, like why is efficiency so important to you as a working writer or creative or director, any of those things? A lot of people, um, I don't know why they think this. Um, you know, I'll start a television show. Um, and, and I think it's been long enough now that people think it's normal to have to watch four or five episodes or six or seven or 10 episodes or a season or two or three before you like something before it's good, before it kicks in. Um, yeah. So they, they, they are patient with it, but you don't have to be that. It didn't used to be that way. Um, people were more efficient. They could, you know, maybe the pilot was a little rough, but pretty quickly they like they were they hit their stride by episode two three they kind of know what they're about um um and they can refine that but um you know they they started right you knew something usually by the pilot you knew that it was like if you see the pilot for fraser it's so efficient yeah it's amazing you know so yeah. much so quickly um it's really good nobody owes you attention and yeah, so, that's good. Nobody owes you attention. That's good. Right. Yeah. And so what, when I'm watching something, I'm like, oh, so they just assume I'm going to watch it just because they made it. Yeah. But they're just assuming they haven't made me care about anybody. They haven't told me what they're about. They haven't told me what they like. It's amazing to me. Uh, people are used to it. They just think that's the way it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and it didn't used to be that way. Um, mm. And so um, I think that uh, because people, it's, you know, it's funny. Instead of learning how to get people's attention and keep their attention and hold it, there was that. What was that? Quibi? Was that what it was? Yeah. The little, the the, the yeah, cell yeah. phone network. Yeah. Right. How long did it last? Clips and yeah. And it was oh, like full on shows, right? Yeah. And it huge lasted. directors, huge, huge, huge storytellers, huge storytellers, huge directors, and I think what they were like three minute episodes or something, something like that, something like that, whatever it was. Um, because everybody was chasing this short form content thing because people's attention spans are so short now. It misdiagnosed the problem. Right. It's like, you know what? Be interesting. How about that? Don't be short. Be interesting. Be engaging. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, we don't know how yeah, to do that. Helpful. It's like, like, oh, really? You don't know how to do that? Because Chuck Jones made a whole bunch of cartoons uh, yeah. and they're short form. You know, like it can be done. It's just. Uh, people forgot how to do it. And so the way they compensate is by making a boring thing shorter. Uh, you know, um, it's I mean, amazing. if you look at, is it feed the kitty? 
Is it Pete yeah. the Kitty? If you look at, I, so Scout and I, my little girl, we watch Looney Tunes like crazy. And if you, and the cool thing is you can see Looney Tunes now. It used to be really hard to find them. You had to have Boomerang. Now it's on HBO. You can actually watch them. Just watch, watch one of Chuck Jones's and then watch one of any of the other directors. <laughs> yeah. What Chuck Jones could do with something like Feed the Kitty in what, I don't know, five minutes, whatever it is. Unbelievable. Seven minutes are all seven minutes. Like un- yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Versus another guy who's like, now way better. Like if I was tasked with it, I wouldn't do as good of a job as these other people. The difference was Chuck knew how to, knew what he was doing and his work stands. When you think about Looney Tunes, you actually think about Chuck Jones. You don't know that there was, there was other directors, right? right? But what he does with feed the kid or any of those pieces is incredibly efficient. You know, I collect, have always collected stories, um, about directors directing and the kind of direction that they give. And, um, and so, um, there, there's a couple of them. There's one where he was directing, John Houston was directing this movie, the misfits and the actor in it, uh, was Eli Wallach. And he told this story, which is how I know he didn't tell it to me, but he told it on some show or something. I, I, I never met him, man, the man, but, but he, he was saying that, uh, he had a scene, Eli Wallach, where he was supposed to be drunk. And um, so he's doing the scene and he's drunk and he's falling over and he's doing all that stuff. And something happened where they had to cut like a light blue or something. And they were waiting for the light to get changed. And John Houston just sort of just pretended, I think, like he wasn't very interested and started talking and said to Eli Wallach, "Uh, you know, the most drunk I've ever been. And he's like, no, I don't know. And John Houston said yesterday. Yesterday was the drunkest I've ever been in my life. And he just kind of wandered off. And Eli Wallach was like, huh, that's weird. He didn't, he didn't seem drunk. And then he went, oh, I'm being too drunk. I'm acting too drunk. And he took that direction. And that was so, it did two things, right? It let him discover it instead of telling him not to be so drunk. It let him discover it. But he, he was able to pinpoint the problem in a really great way. And he did the same thing with... Um, Catherine Hepburn in uh, the movie, the African queen. Um, uh, she couldn't figure out her character. They worked for a couple of days and she just couldn't figure out who her character was. And she was sort of fumbling around. And one day John Houston just said to her, Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> then everybody would have known who she was and how she was. And she said, he, he said, Ele- Eleanor Roosevelt. And she went, I knew exactly how to play her after that. That's all he said. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, like that. What he could do with less, he could straighten out an entire situation, which could have been a disaster, right? From the movie or a character. And you know why he's good is because he can walk up and say one sentence and walk away, or one one name. In, in that's fact, efficient. That's incredible. In fact, when and I and created understanding because understanding was the result of the communication. Right. Both of them understood what he was saying. It's not the result of the communication. Again, going back to if you if you go. If you go survival, efficiency, effective, if the result is effective, right, man, if you can be efficient and effective, get out of the way. And yeah. that's, that's what we did in both those situations. Well, when I was in my uh, director's group where you would direct scenes every week uh, to practice our craft, um, there were a couple of directors who would, when they're talking to actors, would, um, they would, <laughs> They would keep talking. 
So an actor would nod. I get, okay, I get it. And they would keep talking because they somehow they thought that the deeper they dug, the better it was going to be or something. It never worked. It never worked. Um, um, and these couple of directors in particular never figured that out. They just kept doing it. They kept, you know, um, week after week after week, they would try this technique that did not work. Um, and they never found out quite how to be efficient with their direction. Uh, I remember seeing a clip of um, Spielberg directing Harrison Ford in, I think it was Raiders. And he's directed Harrison Ford. And it was really interesting. He's talking to Harrison Ford and Harrison Ford says, right. Uh-huh. And as soon as Harrison Ford nods, Spielberg walked away. Like he gets it. I'm walking away now because I'm only going to pollute the, the, the stream of information now. Um, uh, so efficiency ends up being very, very important. And we get on our, in our own way sometimes because we, um, um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if people like to hear themselves talk. I don't know what the deal is, but just say it and get out. It's just, it's a clean arrow that doesn't have any friction. It's just understanding that there's a point, right? And yeah. Like if you want to make a living at this stuff, again, if you're on more of the like communication professional side, as far as screenwriter, things like that, or if you're on the business side, if, if, in order to compete, right? being efficient and knowing how to communicate in a way that's efficient and effective. Like it, there is no, I just saw this uh, Warren Buffett uh, clip. I just did you and I were sending back uh, and forth where he was talking about like the number one skill for an executive is communication. And he was talking about how he, you know, went to Carnegie Mellon and he did this program and stuff. And he was like, if you've got to learn one thing, if you want to truly be a great executive, you have to learn how to communicate. And so what he's really saying is like, well, do you want to be able to lead people efficiently? Do you want to be able to communicate a vision? Do you want to, and do you want to do all that with the least amount of effort as possible so that you can take all the other effort that, you know, I mean, think about every time you do a bad communication, then you have to spend a week trying to clean up. Hey, I said this, what I was trying to say was this. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I should have thought more about what I was going to say. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that long. Email. It's, you're spending all this time fixing right. all these problems when if you would have just communicated as, as clearly and efficiently as, as effectively as possible, you could have just been like, oh, this is where we're going. What? Bing. You hit the target and you go like, great. And everybody goes like, cool. Okay. I know how to do my job. Or this is what the script's about. This is what I'm trying to do. Awesome. And you're like, God, that was, you know, we set aside a year and a half to perfect the script and you guys did it. And, you know, in, in a month and a half and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, we knew what we were doing. We sat down, we knocked it out. We're ready to go. And, and all of a sudden people are like, I didn't know that was possible. Well, get, you look at a guy like Clint Eastwood, it's like, you want to know why Clint Eastwood has been able to make movies whenever he wants? Because he always comes in on time, under budget. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's got all this amazing wisdom in his head, right? Uh, uh, so that he knows, like, well, I know, I know I don't need another take. And I know that I'm losing daylight. And I know that I need to save this here, blah, blah, blah. And you go like, wow, if you make, if you make movies that make money on time, on budget, you're going to be able to make movies as long as Clint Eastwood has that efficiency piece uh, or that craft piece, right? Um, uh, uh, all it does is benefit you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I, uh, I was doing a comic book. A guy was publishing a comic book that I wrote and uh, he sent me the contract. And it was um, the easiest, simplest contract, straightforward contract I'd ever seen. 
Like it wasn't full of legalese and it was the easiest thing I had ever read when it comes to a contract. And I called them about it. I called them to ask, excuse me, I called them to ask them some questions uh, because there was like a thing in there about like, well, if I die, the, you know, the, the, if the publisher died, then the rights automatically revert back to you because I guess that had happened once where he almost got really sick and people's stuff would have been tied up. So he made sure that that was in the contract that if I die, your stuff is just yours. Um, so I call him about that. I'm like, what's this? You know? And then he told me that story. Well, the thing is, he said, well, it's funny that you say my contract is clear because my lawyer told me to make it more confusing. My lawyer said that I should put all that legalese in there and I should make it more confusing. Um, then I could, you know, slip stuff by. Um, and he's like, I didn't want to do that. He's an honest guy who didn't want to do that. So he made it clear and easily understood. Now, that's interesting. Now, when I look at contracts, I think about that like, oh, this is purposely made in an inefficient way so that I am confused. So it doesn't communicate clearly. Right. So either. I have to pay a lawyer to translate it because it's not, there's no reason you can't write a contract in plain English, right? What's the reason you, there's no reason for it. Um, and so uh, I either have to hire a lawyer or I have to um, uh, take my chances and hope that I understood what I read. Um, and so that's a, that's a, an example of, of how being inefficient um how that how that that confusion benefited uh, maybe the person who writes the contract, but it doesn't benefit anybody else. You know what's funny? I was just penciling this out because you go story structure is what leads to uh, efficient communication, which leads to effective communication. Because ultimately, effective communication means that there's clear understanding. Yep. And the clear understanding, you know what that leads to? Trust. Yeah. Because ultimately, that person you sign that contract with, you go, eh. Oh, I'll do another contract with them. Sure. Why? Because I understood what they were saying. They shot right. me straight. Right? right. What does that mean? It means I trust that person. And guess what ends up happening when two people work together and they trust each other? They're going to outperform everyone else that is cautious around the other person. Yep. And so it's just kind of going like, learn the structure. It will make you more efficient. That'll make you more effective. And effective is really just allows you to communicate clearly, which can hopefully build trust. It's like, it's like if I said, Brian, there's a bear behind you and you turn around and there really was a bear and we ran away. You'll be like, thanks, man. If I said, Hey, there's a bear behind you, turn around. It's it. It's like, guess what? That erodes a trust. Like when you don't use the tool properly, right. For what it literally was meant for, uh, you're not going to be able to get the results that you're, you know, are most desirable, which is humans being able to actually, uh, connect with each other. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And I also think it's um, it ends up wasting energy. That's what in it, right? It wastes energy. And it's like I was talking about people's attention, right? If you think of that as a kind of energy, right? Like, why are you wasting? Why are you making them work so hard to figure out what you're trying to say? Why are you doing that? You're, you're wasting energy. Um, yep. You know, you could be more efficient. And the things that are classics are always efficient. They're always efficient. The things that end up being sort of cult favorites that, you know, five people like and love to death. Those are the things that are almost always inefficient. Yep. You that's know? right. 
Yeah. I, it's funny. You, you send me these crazy voicemails and I save them, you know, because you'd be like, Hey, I was just thinking about this thing. And you'll have some like ridiculous, like, I'll be like, Oh my God, Brian, how'd you distill that shit down to like a 20 second voicemail? Will you tell the story of, of, uh, looking for looking once you found something? Yeah, this is uh, about efficiency. So, uh, George Carlin, the comic, if you don't know him, you should, uh, he's dead now, but uh, still relevant. Uh, George Carlin, his work is more relevant now than it's ever been. Like, I mean, yeah. I've been going back through his stuff and I'm like, my God. Yeah. George you know, Carlin. there are people who yeah. argue that he's the best comic, uh, best stand up comic ever. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and you can make a strong case for that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, George Carlin used to have a bit. This is not one of his profound bits, but, but uh, you can find uh, some meaning in there. So he, I remember he did a bit once, I don't know if he was on the tonight show or something, but he did a bit where he was talking about, you know, and I don't remember the bit exactly. So, you know, but he was basically talking about looking for something like you misplace your keys or something. And then he talks about finding them and he goes, uh, there it is. It's in the last place. I, you know, of course it's in the last place I look. And he goes, people say that like it's in the last place I look. And he's like, everything's in the last place you look like who, what kind of an idiot keeps looking once they found it. And that always stuck with me. I remembered that, but I, I was working on a project and, and there would be solutions. This has happened to me more than once uh, in inefficient spaces. Here's a solution. Yeah. Let's keep looking. Here's another solution. Yeah. Let's keep looking. Now we're just wasting time. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, so they did find it and they did keep looking. Um, That's right. That Wait, so Brian, yeah. you're saying this is the best Thai restaurant in Seattle, right? You're like, yeah. And we can get a table. You're like, yeah. Why do you want to keep looking? Well, because you never know. Maybe there's another Thai food restaurant, but it's like, but this is the solution. And we know this will work. <laughs> right. So what if we go look around at all these other things and we miss our spot in line? Right. You wouldn't do that in real life. That would feel crazy to you. Yeah. We do it in creative work every day. Oh, I found this solution. Oh my gosh. We'll use the slippers, the Ruby slippers. When she clicks them together, that's how she gets up. And you go like, yeah, I know, but uh, maybe there's something else out there. Maybe what you, you said to me, you go, some people feel like they need to turn over every rock on a mountain before they feel like good about the solution they found. Right. Right. And you go like, but, you know, sometimes it's going like, well, does this solve the problem? It solves the problem. It's like, fantastic. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and just fun. in general, I started asking the question, like, where am I looking for things that I've already found? Because when I go looking for things that I've already found, it's a waste of time and effort. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's just an excuse to hide. It always. Right. Is. It's an excuse not to make a decision that's or to take all, a risk. All it is. It's, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's an unwillingness to commit. Yes. Right. That's like, right. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah. But, the, you know, it's that that it's not like it's not like you're trying to solve a problem anymore. So it's not like, yes, but here's the deficiency with that thing that I the solution I found. So I'm looking for the thing that solves X problem or Y problem. Well, then you haven't found it. Right. But once you find everything that fits and solves all your problems, what are you looking for? So this is something that drives me crazy where when you talk about it, George Carlin said, why do people look for something when, they, when they've already found it? Um, 
this is this is a fundamentally this is not just a problem with like stories this is a problem with brands businesses you name it they they had a solution at one point they knew who they were they knew what they were trying to say and then at some point they left that to try to be hip or cool or whatever uh, one of the things that drives me like for instance like like i love colombo we talk about colombo a lot it's unbelievably well done show and what i hate is the last few kind of episodes uh, you could tell that somebody went, yeah, we had something that's working. You kind of have the bumbling guy and you pair it up against somebody who always thinks they're smarter than him. It's always somebody rich and powerful. And, it, and they go like, but isn't that kind of tired? And, you know, some of these episodes towards the end, all of a sudden it's like they try to make it super sultry or, or they try to make it like really psychedelic and it doesn't <laughs> age well and all that stuff. And it's like, man, you already had the keys. Why did right. you keep looking yeah. All, all it did was add to confusion and all it did was you didn't add anything to it. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like if Picasso can sit there and go in one line, he can make a penguin. What do you benefit by adding in a bunch more lines? It's like he already solved the problem. Right. What, what do you, what do you get for the rest? Is the Jews worth the squeeze on all those other things? And I see it with brands all the time. I mean, there's a football team that, you know, we worked with and it's like, it was like, this is the core of the brand. This is what it's, about and then they hit a certain point where they're like yeah i don't know but let's go turn let's go turn over a bunch of other rocks and see if you know maybe there's something better out there right right well, um, that, right and so I, nike. I i've just did nike do that sure that's right yeah when they dropped just do it yeah that's right they dropped just do it because they it was something that they saw every day and they're like ah oh, people are tired of it or whatever and it's like no you're so close to the brand you forgot that you know you don't notice we don't get to go into nike headquarters every day and see just do it on the wall. They see how often most people buy a pair of shoes once or twice a year. And when they would look at the box and be like, yeah, just do it. This is my year. I'm going to start running it, whatever. And they dropped it because they oftentimes, once you find the solution, you forget how hard it was to find that solution or you forget yeah. how difficult it was to find the keys. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's just funny. It's like everything we talk about on the show, it, you can use it for story. You can use it for business, any form of human communication. Uh, if you can do, if it only takes you a paragraph, like it did Aesop and it takes this person 200 pages, who do you think is going to get the book deal? Right. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just, just practically speaking, mm -hmm. like if, if, if I can commute, if, if you can get up and give a speech in 15 minutes that brings the house down, right. And this yeah. person gets up in there and they meander for an hour and a half. Who do you think is going to get invited back? Yeah. And so, Ultimately, if you want the benefits of being efficient, which is really to be effective and effectiveness is ultimately what leads to trust. And the more we trust each other, the more efficient we get, because all of a sudden you go, ah, it's Brian. I don't have to worry about it. He sent over the contract. No problem. It's like all of that stuff. There's a great book on this called um, The Speed of Trust. And it talks about when people trust each other. And by the way, that trust would have been backed up by clear communication, backed by uh, taking the actions to show that those were true, right. you know, which in essence, don't just say also do that leads to trust and trust. God, if you have a trusted relationship, you can move mountains. Right. Um, and so, but it all starts with efficiency and starting to connect these dots between it's not just about telling great stories. It's about telling great stories that impart survival information in the most efficient way possible. And the, and the people that learn how to do that fundamentally will always have an edge on everyone else. You know what it is too? It's um, it's like I was saying about the international symbols, right? It looks so simple when it's done. 
that often I think that that simplicity scares people. We've yeah. been sort of um, sold this idea that complicated is always better and that anything worthwhile is complicated and that, you know, all these things, and we've been sold that bill of goods for so long that we believe it. And so often what I find, if I provide a solution that is simple, well, that can't be right. That's too simple. We have to find something complicated. Um, and so we got to turn over every rock, right? Um, and complicate the process um, because it doesn't feel um, earned sometimes if you come up with the solution. Um, it's not easy often to come up with those solutions, but they, when you do find them, they are often very simple. Um, but like I said about simplicity before that, um, I think simplicity when talking about uh, creativity or, um, or at least in this context, really simplicity is just precision and precision should really be the word. Mm. Right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, be precise. That's right. Mm. That's right. Because that's what structure is doing. You know, you right. can call it efficiency, but I really like that word. It, you know, it's precise. It's going, okay, I got two minutes. No, I got 30 seconds. If you know structure, you will know how to be precise, which means you'll know how to create something, some form of communication that at least has the chance. Yep. Whereas other people are still sitting there going like, ah, 30 seconds, I can't do anything with 30 seconds. It's like, if you can't do anything with 30 seconds, like if you had already a 30 second spot and you're like, that's impossible. It's like, you're really bad at your job. <laughs> yeah, I told you I was once, you know, I had to make a short film. Um. Uh, for the uh, Seattle Film Festival and there were 10 of us directors and our films had to be five minutes long uh, documentaries and everybody, you know, um, in this meeting, we were having this initial meeting, we had to pull our subjects out of a hat and everybody in this meeting was complaining because we only had five minutes. The movies could only be five minutes long and they were just like, you can't really do it in five minutes. You can't make a documentary that's five minutes long. They just let that time beat them before they started. Um, and most of the films, I would say, um, felt like, and they said this during the Q and a, well, if I'd had more time, I could have done it, but if I'd had more time, so they felt like the beginning of something, not a complete thing yeah, because they just thought they needed more time. And that's what happens when you don't know how to be precise. That's right. Yeah. I mean, think about this, think about what you could do with that other energy. So. Uh, you and I were talking about one of our friends who works here, Zach, who's an art director. Um, Zach was doing the type for a new music video that he'd been um, you know, hired to do. And he was like, okay, well, I need you to tell me kind of in one sentence what, what the song's about. He was looking for the armature. And he worked with the artist and the artist was able to boil it down for that one sentence. And he said, well, if that's what you're trying to say, then I, then I have to use this kind of type treatment. And it was amazing because he's like, I'll show you. And he, he, you know, showed it to him and they looked at it and they're like, yeah, I guess if that's what we're trying to say, that, that could be the only type of way to visual. That is the clearest way to visualize this. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, I don't know if that was a side job, if he was earning money through it or whatever, but he was able to solve that in an evening. If he didn't know that efficiency model, right. Of story structure. He might've been like, I don't know, maybe the type should be, you know, purple or, Ooh, you know, it'd be kind of cool. I've never seen anybody use type that, 
you know, looks like it's upside down backwards and triangular or whatever. It's like, I mean, you go in all these places and all of a sudden that side job went from, oh, I did it one round. I actually made money on that. And the client's happy. And I'm going to take that extra time and hang out with my kids. And, you know, or it could have turned into two months of like, dude, I don't know what they want. We, they, I sent them this and they said the font's too big. And I sent them that and they said it's too small. I said, it's like, it, it removes all of that and go, well, this is what we're trying to say. Don't you think this is the, the the clearest way to articulate that? And people go, yep. And great. The product's done. It goes out the door and there's clarity. Uh, you know. And again, all those hours back, all that energy back, he can invest that in more art. He can invest that in more cyber. He can invest that in his family. Right? Does that the make other, sense? Yeah. The other thing is that, um, like you're saying, if, okay, if you present something and it's you have a clear point and you know what you want to say, and you present something, if everybody's pe- playing on the same team and pulling in the same direction, a suggestion they make will, if they're on the same page, will improve the, th- oh, yeah, right, that would work. Now you're having a different kind of conversation because you're fine-tuning. You're not right. looking at every a million possibilities. You're looking at the five or six or whatever possibility. Right. Well, what right? can we build with this one bucket of sand? Yeah. Right. He yeah. said, I have one bucket of sand versus, well, we're standing here on, on Pismo beach or wherever, like, I don't know, some giant beach, Daytona beach. What can you do with the sand? And you're like, I don't know. But once you get, if you can get it into here, that's where you can start to do something really not only precise, but also something that's, that, that has the chance to move people. Because as long as someone's confused, you're going to stay up here and we want yep. them down here. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's so, actually one yeah. of the things that, um, and it's starting to, I don't want to pick on, I don't like picking on particular filmmakers or anything like that, but there, there are a couple of filmmakers right now who um, their stuff is very heady and they're known for being great directors. Okay, I'm going to talk about Christopher Nolan. Okay. Uh, I'm going to just cut to the quick because I know you can't do that, but I could do that. I'm not <laughs> saying you were talking about Christopher Nolan, but I have no problem saying it. Tenet is a piece of shit. Like if you watch Tenet and went, I walked away and said, my God, I love that movie. It changed my life. I understood exactly what was going on. I know you're full of shit because even the own actors that they've interviewed are like, I still don't even know what it's about. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you want to take on something like that, like right now, that director can say one of two things. Chris Nolan could say like, well, you're too stupid to understand my movies. Or you can say, I didn't do it in an efficient and a clear enough way for the audience to understand. I wonder how I could do it differently. Right? Right. I'm not right. saying you were talking about Chris Nolan. I'm just saying there's an example of something that I think does probably what you were getting at. Well, he's not the only person who does this, but um, you know, it's, it's become, it's almost faddish. It's almost right. If you're going to get praise for being really great, um, make sure that people are confused and they're in their head a lot and they never actually go to an emotional place. And that's yeah. a fad. That stuff never lasts. It happens all the time. It almost never lasts. Occasionally, occasionally, like 2001 lasts, right? But, um, but most of the time, that stuff doesn't last. Um, it's the stuff that moves people. It's a Wonderful Life, Wizard of Oz, you know, uh, you know, um, Singing in the Rain, you know. It's, it's and even when you're talking about 2001, what really are people, all they're really talking about is they're, normally they're talking about the opening with the monolith. Or they're talking about Daisy. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Those are the two things people are actually talking about when they're talking about 2001. Yeah. Right. And so even within that, even within some of those narratives, you know, you're, it's like there's certain movies you remember the first 10 minutes. And so people will refer to the first 10 minutes as the whole film, but they right. actually just met the first 10 minutes. Yes. Right. That is true. Things like that. Some things. Yeah. Or they like the ending or they, you know, um, uh, people will, it's funny what people will do. They often don't look at the whole, so they'll cherry pick either to like something or cherry pick to not like something. Mm. Right. So for instance, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about saving private Ryan as a terrible movie because they don't like the beginning, the very beginning, the bookends or the very end. But it's like, so if you took those bookends off, would the movie be good? Oh yeah, it'd be fine. Well then what are we talking about? Right. Like we're talking about a movie that is 98% there, but it's usually people who decide that they want, don't want to like Spielberg. And so what they'll do is they go, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. But on the other hand, when I say I don't like something, people say, but didn't you like this scene? And didn't you like that part? And didn't you like that line? And they'll cherry pick. Right. So this cherry picking is a really interesting thing. And when somebody wants to like something, it takes almost nothing for them to say why they like it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and if they don't want to like something, it takes almost nothing. But they're not talking about the whole. Does the whole yeah. thing work? Um, because, you know, almost nothing is perfect. So near perfect is pretty perfect. Well, I but, think communication without precision is self-indulgent. I think that's true. You're you're making you're making what should have been your job as the speaker into their job was to decipher yep. your mess. And that's not fair to do to an audience. And it's definitely not fair to do to even a friend who's sitting across the table and they're going like, hold on, Jesse, what the hell are we talking about? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm making my job as a communicator. I'm forcing you to try to figure out what I'm talking about. Right. right? Um, yeah. And so, I knew I, you know, I, I think I used yeah, to know sorry, a person. I used to know a person who would take no responsibility for their end of the conversation. So they would say, well, I told you about that. I'm like, well, I, I guess it was buried in a bunch of things that you said you didn't, you know, <laughs> you, you, you didn't, uh, you didn't clarify what you meant. You may have said it, but it was buried. Um, you weren't efficient. Yeah. Um, like you're always talking about with emails, right? If somebody sends you an email uh, with a million things in it, but they wanted you to do one thing, you had one task and it's buried in there. And I'm like, why didn't you do that thing I asked you to do? It's like, there were a thousand things in there. I didn't know which, but yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's huge. And, and it's also, I mean, here's my thing. Like, even if you just see the benefit of this, of story structure in just in your ability to communicate over email. Let's just take that. Do you know how much farther you're going to get if every time you send an email, no, if when you send an email, 60% of the time you got a response back, that was what you were hoping for. That knocks, that is like, you know, at least two or three times as effective as everyone else, right? right? If you're sitting there right now and you're going, man, I'm stuck at the bottom of this organization. How do I get to the top? I'll communicate them. Mm -hmm. like, like I'll find that clip and we can link to it in the story notes or something of, of, of Warren Buffett saying the number one skill for an executive is to be able to communicate efficiently and effectively. Like, and he's to the point where Warren Buffett, who's a pretty busy guy, went and took a class on it because he was like, oh, this is the whole game. I used to be a part of a thing called Vistage. Um, 
which is kind of like executive coaching and you hang out with other CEOs and stuff. And it blew my mind because every month we would get together and nobody was actually talking about business stuff. I thought I, I thought it was going to be about, hey, how do you figure out your cogs? And, you know, but everybody knew their numbers. They knew all that stuff. Do you know what we spent every single month as executives talking about? Every single, every single month, their biggest problem was, how do I communicate? Oh, we got to do layoffs. How do I communicate that? Oh, I got this new product. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it to the market. Oh boy, there's this problem between my executive team. No one's getting along. I'm trying to get them to communicate. Oh, I'm trying to figure out this or my landlord and I are getting along. And I'm sitting there going like, do none of you executives know how to talk? <laughs> right. Because right. did they teach you everything in business school except how to be an efficient communicator? Because that's the most important skill. Oh, did you learn everything about film except how to tell a story in an efficient way that moves people? Then what the fuck were you doing? What were you learning in, in film school, right? Like it, it's the goal of all these things we're talking about is effective communication, Yep. right? And the most amazing thing is that in nature, in ourselves as a species, we were given an efficiency model. So if you learn that, you will immediately out be able to outperform the folks that don't know that. So anybody stuck in the middle, whatever, if you are, if you can communicate clearer than your boss, it will not take long for people to see that and watch how much faster you're going to move up the ladder. So, and for the sake of efficiency, I think we've made our point. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Perfect. So thank you, Brian. Uh, yeah. Not only thank you for teaching the story structure, but also thanks for giving us, um, helping us understand that we already have a model to be effective and precise storytellers and communicators. This program is produced in Seattle by Belief Agency. Thanks for watching You Are a Storyteller. If you have any questions or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com.